This is Tony Silva. And Charles Wiz. And this is episode 74, Two Teachers Talking. Charles and I get together to talk about teaching English in Japan. Um, how much fun it can be, how much pain it can be. <laughs> how tearful um, it can be. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, today, uh, starting about a new, talking about a new year, right? Academic year starting uh, in Japan. Um, we'll talk about what we're doing differently, what seems to be working, what's not working, uh, and uh, maybe some things we've learned from mistakes in previous years. So, yeah, another year starting up. Um, how you making out, Charles? <laughs> You're setting me up for something here, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, up and down, up and down, really, really up and down. Uh-huh. I felt okay on one day. The following day, I felt was a total disaster. The next day, I thought was pretty good, but varied between classes rather than the whole day the following day was not so good the next day was really good so quite a roller coaster quite a roller coaster i guess mine mine has not been that tumultuous it's um it didn't start off well (laughs) um my school year started on a friday and the, the day before that i had a a rare uh meeting department meeting at one of the universities followed by a, a dinner with teachers which is you know i guess i guess for normal people not very stressful but for us borderline asperger types it's a little psychopaths t- takes a little bit out of a little bit out of you and then after my first day of classes on friday i was just totally spent i was just exhausted but then um followed up with a full-on week uh, 19 classes this year this year well wow. uh came to the end of friday and uh felt fine so i don't know i don't know i don't know what to attribute that to but but um boy after that first day i was i was really a little bit worried but uh got through the first week okay so and and not and actually that first week kind of the opposite of what you've experienced that pretty much uniformly okay hmm. so i don't know what to make of that hmm yeah i don't either did you try anything new did you do anything differently uh, or? a number of, a number of little things but i i think for from my i, I did you know obviously there's a different little tweaks and things that but i don't attribute any of that change to, to anything that i did i think it's um i think it's the students um and i don't know i don't mm, you, i'll bounce this off you i don't know if you'll agree or not but i did uh, run into um one of uh, a colleague on the train someone from from allison's university and talking with allison and the consensus there seemed to be um that overall students are and these were all very short conversations, so I don't know what exactly what it means. But students were, quote unquote, better. And again, it, it, these are like three minute conversations that I'm, I'm relating here. So, w- what do you mean in terms of better? And you know, can you mm. can you quantify that? And uh, how many classes and how many students? And what way are they better, et cetera, et cetera? But uh, my experience, they, um, my class I mean, again. This I think this is just pure luck. The classes seem more uniform, both within the classes in terms of level and ability and um, from class to class. There's not that big of a difference in uh, levels. This is within a university, not between. All all five. Really? All five, yeah. This is I th- it, it's 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 pervasive enough that I can I can actually make that kind of generaliz- generalization if I t- compare these nineteen classes to last year's eighteen classes, I notice a difference in A B C D and D. Not so much level. I think level is about the same, but in terms of um, student enthusiasm, student attitude, um, just the demeanor in the classroom, a much more. And uh, actually, I have a couple of. Um, uh, uh, surveys that I do. I use. I don't use it in all my classes, but I, I might take a look at that and see. And I ask them for their general comments. I might take a fast scan and compare the two years and see what the differences might be in terms of comments and things. But my impression <clears throat> this year for me, I think I think I kind of lucked out. I got I've got some good ones this year. So uh, 
Um, I'm feeling okay. A qualified okay. <laughs> but, mm. you know, exhausted, naturally. I mean, especially the first week where your, your classes, at least my classes, you know, really kind of full-on uh, teacher talk, right? Uh, a lot of explanation about the classes and uh, uh, really kind of wa- very carefully watching what I do, what I say, trying to observe the students as closely as possible, looking for all different kinds of um, feedback. Um, so my f- my first week is pretty exhausting. It's kind of funny because I walked uh, on uh, fr- the fr- after the end of the first week on a on a Friday afternoon. One of my students from last year came by to visit, and we we walked to the train together. And um, she says, "Well, you know, says, oh, well, how come you you're tired?" It's like, "Well, you know, I'm tired. It's the end of the week." She says, "Ah, but the first week is so easy." And I says, "Well, for students, it's easy. For <laughs> me, it's hard." She says, "Well, all my." All my teachers uh, <laughs> have very short classes. Very short classes. <laughs> and I go, oh. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. I noticed that a lot. Right? And I says, well, yeah, well, she, was, she was late. She was waiting for me outside my classes. Well, obviously not my classes. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, some classes get pretty short, huh? You're, you too, huh? I, I was watching. You know, sometimes that you have the classes that have like... Um, well, in some places you can see into other teachers' rooms because it's, it's class walls, right? So, and I was watching, you know, teachers just it, talking for fifteen minutes and then letting their classes go right away because they said the introduction was done. And I was kind of getting judgmental about it, but then I thought to myself, oh, it makes complete sense because. They don't have the students doing a lot of work over the weekend getting ready for the next class. But it was weird. It was weird. So a bunch of classes let go pretty early. Yeah, I, I can't. I don't have any uh, line of sight um, opportunities, but you can hear the hallway. I, I right? Yeah, the noise level in the hall. The noise level in the hall. You yeah, can it's like after okay. fifteen minutes I know. or twenty-five minutes, right? Exactly. It gets noisy, and I says, "Okay, that's the sixty-minute mark. <laughs> I got thirty minutes left." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think also that comes up to something. Remember when we were students, we had no idea what was going on for teachers sure so i was explaining to someone i said yeah you know one of the big differences now i think back and i wonder whether or not my teachers in elementary school or junior high school were like oh god not this group (laughs) we had no idea of that we had no idea and i think my immediate response tony to what you've just said to riff on that is that the thing that really surprises me and i never cease to get surprised by this is the incredible difference in classroom person or class personalities. How about it? You know, it just it's it's consistently surprising at the beginning of every term that you know, you do similar things, say similar things and it doesn't have to do with level. But correct, so, correct. You know, the some classes just are really energetic and lively and the kids are spot on and then in other classes it's just nothing you can do. They're just the classroom is just quiet and there's not a lot of energy but that's what i was like really going up and down a lot i thought yeah well that that's that's that that factor is always there and and as you said it's it's really big it's amazing it's really big it's amazing it's really really amazing i'm always surprised by it it never ceases to surprise me Hmm. yeah but just toss out something i did um i tried we talked about this the um i said i was going to try to use the spaghetti tower build a spaghetti tower using marshmallows and spaghetti as kind of a ice breaking activity and somewhere in the back of my head i knew that this was not maybe the best english teaching activity but it seemed like it would be a good way to get classes started and in one class it worked very nicely and in another class it just did not work at all and i couldn't get the students to understand why they had done what they did mm-hmm. and you know even you know just as a means of you know activating basic english like put this here push this here you know to show them that they had a lot of um, the language that they needed to get things done so that i think was part of like the disappointment maybe uh. you know how you do something and you want to try something new and try something different and make it really exciting and interesting for the students but somewhere in the back of your head you know, there's that little voice kind of going, you know, it's probably just safer to stay with the usual opening day. 
But. Well, it's, it's, it's always worth trying something new and, and trying a different way to, to come at the problem. Yeah, I'm, here I go identifying as a problem already. <laughs> to come, come at the situation. But um, I think when you, especially when you try something new, and, and, and even if you're trying the same thing as you did in previous years, you got to leave a pretty big margin for your expectations. Or, or just minimize your expectations. Just realize that, yeah, you're going to try something new. Don't hypothesize what what the result is going to be. Just see what it's going to be, and then and then go from there. Because if you assume that they're going to be able to perform at a certain level, you're kind of often setting yourself up for a disappointment. It's yeah. Sometimes they can exceed expectations, and and then it smiles all around for everybody. But. Uh, when you try something new that you haven't done before, especially, uh, you got to temper the expectations. You really remind yourself this is an experiment. You don't know that this is going to work or not. I mean, yeah, we, we think that we can predict it, right? But <laughs> as, as we did it, we did, as I did, what was it, like two years ago or three years ago, I talked about predicting students' performance based on my first day's impression. It's like, not that, <laughs> not that accurate. <laughs> Yeah, well, I didn't have like high or low level expectations. I wanted to try something new. And so I went in with that kind of experimental thing, you know, attitude. And I thought, okay, it's good that I'm trying something new because I have my first day down pretty well, right? Mm -hmm. The the, the quick wrap, you know, seven, eight minute wrap, get the students working on a icebreaker, you know, the find someone who activity, which always works very well, especially for first year students. You know, then having them, you know, make sure they're asking extra questions, introducing themselves. It really is a good way. And I thought to myself, you know, let me try something a little bit different just to see what's going on. So it was an interesting experiment and I wasn't sure. But what I think disappointed me was my inability to kind of connect the activity to where I wanted the students to kind of go with that activity. And so it's kind of a strange thing. But yeah, it's always um, an amazingly interesting thing on the first day, you know. And by the way, those expect what you mentioned about expectations, right? That's always another surprising thing. Yeah, right? you, can't, you can't cleanse yourself of, the, of that entirely because, I mean, it, you, you have to have some ballpark estimate, right? But you just the more flexible you are going into it and allow for all kinds of variations, the the better off you're going to be at the end of the day <laughs> when those, ex- when those um, expectations aren't quite not the way you thought they were going to be. Yeah. Well, we've talked a lot about the opposite side of that equation, which is how students judge teachers. And I think you once mentioned about that one study where students were asked to rate their teachers on the first day, like after like 10 minutes. Right, right, right. Right, after 10 minutes of um, the, the class. The, their first impression never goes away. Right, and that there was, you couldn't tell the difference between beginning of the year and end of the year evaluations. So all our students have already made up their minds about us. Yeah. <laughs> and I, right. Uh-huh. Uh, and you know, and you know when you're doing really well, and you can know when you're bombing, right? Yeah. And yeah. you want to turn to them and just say, "I'm not judging. I'm doing my best to be flexible in how I see you, and I need you to do that too." But they're they're not taught about that. Nobody talks with them about that, and I think they're not used to that experience. And you know, when you talk, by the way, you said this: people feel the students are better this year. Uh huh. There's a, the Japanese education system changed. Remember, that's there was weird. That real, yes, yes. That's relaxed. The Utori, Utori Kyoiku, I think it was called. Yes. And now we're getting, last year, I think, was the first year of students who had come th- not come through that easified, more relaxed, attempted education. So we're getting the more older style education, which is kind of weird that actually it's, students are better. I've had the same reaction. It's like, hmm, this is very curious. This is very curious. Yeah, and I think that's a whole issue in itself. For example, are the students better in our classes because they have a more traditional 
kind of education, more kind of a traditional classroom experience? Or is it that the teachers weren't able to adapt to the new system? Yeah, it's a whole other, yeah, it's yeah. a whole other level of unknowns, right? Um, all these other factors. So yeah, the, the teachers may be more comfortable with that teaching style, um, and therefore the, we had more success in the classroom, and because they were for, to, forced to do this other thing, the classes more had this other uh, unexpected negative effect on us. Yeah, yeah. Who the hell knows? I don't know. That's an. A, like to find that out but mm, that's a very interesting uh study for somebody for somebody right, who has access to the data but my guess is that i think teachers might be more comfortable but i don't even know if there was that much of a change in teaching i have uh, no idea yeah. well i get to see i have no idea i get to see a little bit mm. i get to go in for maybe three four days into schools when i'm observing my students when they do their student teaching oh yeah yeah, but it's only three or four days, one day with each student. Mm. But what I did notice over the years is that if you walk by pretty much any classroom as you're at the beginning of a class, you can see a teacher standing up talking. Oh, sure. Junior high school, high school. And then when you walk out, you see the teacher still standing up and talking. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe there was a change. Maybe there wasn't a change. Is it something in the students? Is it something in the curriculum? But also the question is how we perceive that. How do we perceive that the students are better? And that can vary. Because do you remember, I think it was about when we started getting the bubble kids. About uh. 19, yeah, remember that period? Oh, Ni yes. It was 1993 about? Right well, around. That, that, that's really early on. For like, so for me, there were so many other changes, it was hard for me to see. But um when I felt it in the classrooms was a little bit later than that. It was more like around, I think, 2000. Okay. But I know the effect that you're talking about. I was just maybe just newer to the university end because I, I started off at a at a Semangako. Okay. And so there were so many variables in my own career moves that the, the changes weren't as apparent to me. But there was a certain point where, I, yeah, Every year was a step down. Right. In manners and... Everything. The, everything, right? Yeah. And it seemed that reversed itself. But the, most people I know felt that that was caused really because we were getting the first set of kids who had come through the bubble, basically. Had been raised yes. by bubble parents. Right. Yeah. Right? You know, the, the kids future's who... so bright, I got to wear shades. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I remember. That's a great song. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We used I used that in a birthday card for my wife once. Okay, but I don't know why there's these changes, but also it's variation. I think in the intake of students and you know the pool of students and how the schools are choosing to, what kind of students to bring in or how they're you know doing their entrance exams. So yeah, so it's the beginning of the year. So what do you think? Um, you're doing right and what do you think you're doing wrong and where would you go with that question well well right now i don't i don't know about the effects yet it's like again i've got i've seen the first week seems to have gone really well one thing one conscious change um which is <laughs> nothing to do with education whatsoever um a conscious effort to smile more and that must be really hard for you. My face, my <laughs> face hurts. It you... still hurts from all the smiling. My cheeks hurt from from all the smiling, and also to. And this is maybe just a, a factor of just being tired. Just I just allow myself to be more relaxed. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I've in in the past I've learned um, that for me in the classroom. Um, a longer leash uh, is is a, a big benefit. It's very productive. Um, that it, I very, it very very rarely comes around to bite me. And so, I think it's very possible that uh, the smiling and the relaxed approach um, has set a good tone for uh, the rest of the year. Uh, my first day spiel is not significantly different um oh i guess maybe it is a little bit different a, a lot less detail 
because I realized mm. the students weren't understanding most of what I was saying anyway. Mm. So I just I simplified it uh, a lot less detail. Um, same basic messages, but maybe expressed a little bit more simply. Um, so that has been that was one thing that was different. Um, but uh, uh, the other thing that maybe uh, that a conscious difference is that um, kind of in a similar vein, I've actually pulled back a little bit on my um, student autonomy tack. Uh, uh, a little reflection over the break. Thought that well, may, you know, maybe um, there were too many choices for the students, and the lack of direction might have left them a little confused or uneasy. So I've I've left them options and choices, but I've throttled back on it a little bit. And based on what students seem to always choose anyway, I've just kind of made the decisions myself. And left them with maybe a choice on one or two things rather than four or five things. Because I think that might have been really kind of, for a lot of them, overwhelming. And just led to, I mean, not that they couldn't do it, but they just didn't, weren't ready for that kind of <laughs> decision. And it made them a little bit uneasy. And I I don't know if that's a contributing factor to my general overall impression of what happened or not. I don't know. Well, I think part of it, and we've talked about this before, is that what's happening in your classroom is probably very isolated from what's going on in all their other classes. Yes. And there's not a lot of support for that. Right. And for example, we've talked about how if you do a critical thinking activity and you want to do critical thinking in your class, but if it's not happening in all the other classes, it's just not really going to go anywhere. Correct. You can't just get, you know, a 20-minute hit once a week, so. Right. That's um, interesting that you, so pulling back, because too much choice is really overwhelming. I remember once. Yeah, yeah. Especially for these kids, right? Because they're waiting to be told what to do. Well, yeah, exactly. But, you know, my the story I was thinking about was once when I went back with my wife. We went to America. We were getting ready for a backpacking trip, and we needed to buy Ziploc bags at the supermarket. And there was like a choice of like 42 different Ziploc bags. I had no idea, you know, how do you make a choice here? So having too many options can be overwhelming. So for students, even having five choices, for example, which activity to choose from when they haven't gotten a lot, they haven't had a lot of experience doing that can be really difficult. Yeah. So, okay, so you've pulled back on the autonomy, simplified your explanation at the beginning. By the way, that's something I've done also, is realizing that a lot of the students are just not following because they're not used to listening to a native speaker. Mm-hmm. And they're also not used to listening to a native speaker speak English about the class. I think a lot of teachers do use Japanese in the classroom. Sure. Uh, sure. Even native teachers, because it's just faster and easier. Sure. But I asked my students this year. One difference was I at the very beginning of, for my first year students, I asked, um, how many of you have never had a, cla- a class taught 100% by a native speaker? And guess what the number was? One hundred percent. So they're, you know, in shock. I would. I wouldn't have guessed a hundred. <laughs> no, seriously, mm. except for the returnee students. In one class, but for all of my students, first year students, right, so who are entering, they haven't had a class in high school and taught by a native speaker one hundred percent of the time. And. That was an interesting thing. So for, they're also at the same point. That's not only that. There's also me with my personality, that's kind of they're having to deal with, and they have their expectations and their ideas about a class and what a teacher should do, and how a class should be run, and even as you mentioned, even with the amount of autonomy you've reduced in your class, the amount of autonomy you're giving your students is probably far more than they've ever been sure. exposed to. Sure. And sure. trying to train them in the systems of how the class works, get them used to, for example, being responsible for note-taking, right? Being responsible for their learning. They're shocked that I said to them, you will not be given handouts in this class for with everything. You will not get PowerPoint presentations explaining everything. You're expected to take notes. It's your responsibility. So... 
that's always that first week, two weeks of a surprise for students. And then the thing that's also surprising is the second year students who have already been in college, they're the same way. They're surprised that they're supposed to be responsible for their learning. I, yeah, for me, I find that the second year students almost worse than the first year student. I mean, oh no, not almost, almost, almost without exception. It's it's much harder for me to teach second year students than it is to teach first year students. Well, first year students come in with a little bit of excitement. They're starting I out in college. And I, lo I love when I like I get the kids on their first day. I had kids I on, their love when I get them on their first day. I had students on their first day in their very first class. I had them on the first day, first period. I felt really sorry for those students to have to start their university education with me. But I like you a lot more smiling, even though I, I smile a lot and laugh a lot, you know, and tell a lot of stories and jokes in my classes or not a lot. But um, yeah, there's the second year students just seem to come in tired. Well, it's it's a it's a whole thing. I've got you know, two things. One with like, like you know, talk about the first day. So yeah, my school year began on on a, on a Friday, and the first period class, it's their first class, and I am required to administer a vocabulary test to these students that takes half the period, and it's a vocabulary test that's used for department research that has zero bearing or relevance to the class that I have to teach. Okay, I'm just going to count to like 4,000 before I make a comment about that. Yeah. So one. And so I, um, uh, I, I, you know, I, it's, it's a good school overall. It's a very good school. And uh, I congratulate the students for um, getting in and... I said that their parents are very proud of them, and they should work hard to make their, you know, to pay back their parents for their efforts and their tuition, obviously, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I apologize profusely to them, um, and then we play a game, and it's a, one of the little introductory fun game that I devised a long time ago. Um, apologize again administer the test and then for them my first day is the second day uh but I, I don't know what else to do with that and it and it you know and uh, you know very obviously to me because I, I this has been instituted only the last two or three years and i've taught at this place for about 12 years now um it poisons the class and uh it's a whole year's worth of work coming back getting back with the damage done on the first day it's it's, it's very unfortunate and and this this topic has been brought up at, at meetings um, and just teachers have asked to have it on the second week or the third week, have it done like it's part of the orientation, have it done something else because there's always been, they, the department has been complaining because we don't administer it correctly. We don't explain that if they don't know, they're supposed to mark that they don't know. <sighs> anyway, oh, objections unheeded. Static, everything just keeps going, well, and that's unfortunate for these kids. So, anyway, that's how I began my school year. <laughs> Maybe that's why I was so tired on that Friday. <laughs> uh, that's that school. Yeah, that one. You know, it's, I, a, it's a good school. It's a no, it's a good school. It's just it's just one class, right? One do, class. Do they give you the feedback on the vocabulary test so that you know what your student's vocabulary level is? Um, in, the in, in the past, they've said that the, the instructions given to the students were so bad that the, the, the results were invalid. So they said if this year, if uh, it looks like the results have some validity, they will share the results with the teachers and the students. But that hasn't happened yet. Okay, because that's useful information to know your students' vocabulary level. Sure. In fact, I have especially my listening reading class the one that's specifically listening and reading i had the students go home and part of their homework was to take that to take a vocabulary test but i wasn't going to give it and it's explained very clearly that it's simply for me to know what their levels are it has no bearing on their grade and it just gives me some general information about how many words they know and how to kind of gear the class but in the past i've done it during class because I wanted that information right away and have the second class ready to go. But I thought, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to do any more quizzes or tests on the first day. I'll do those on the second day, second class. 
So, and also I do that, uh, different things where I give them homework. I say, look, there's going to be, we have these useful phrases and I'm going to quiz you next week. And they're all, you know, immediately homework and they have to study. But I want to get them used to the fact that if I tell you, you know, this is important, you need to learn this, I'm going to check you on this, I will check you on this. Right. So, you know, again, so much of what we do, and this is really the truth of the matter, is that the first three classes, it really revolves around me teaching and training my students how to work in my class. Correct. And that's... You have a 15-week semester, and now I'm already, what, 20% of the way through. Which is why I all give me half a chance I get up on my soapbox and argue for two-semester classes, or at least the same. You know, it doesn't matter. Just have the same students for two semesters, because if you have them only for 15 weeks, you're really you're really hobbled. I mean, you, there's nothing. Again, so much, as you just said, so much of the semester is spent just training the students how to do what they're supposed to do, let alone what they do, just how to do it, right, and what's expected of them, and all the the basic skills, study skills, right? Like, for example, note taking, uh, how to determine what's what they're going to be evaluated on, um, when, what's important, what's not important, all that stuff. That that takes a lot of time, hmm. completely independent of whatever the content of the class is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. I like the the year long classes because then my students are trained and I can move right away in. October. Yeah, fall semester begins. Boom, you're, boom going. you're gone. You're, 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 you're hitting the ground running. Where So now I'm training my students. Um, and things I've done. Another, here's something I've done differently, by the way, Tony, is I've um, on the website is now required homework on the first class is to read the syllabus I've made. <laughs> right. And it's required. I said there I will like be that. a quiz on the syllabus. And I say it's a really big quiz. It's really important. You can bring notes, but you can't have anything copied. But if you're taking your own notes and you're writing down things, and I give them the, I use the Cornell note-taking template. Sure. I teach them to use that because that's a nice organized way for them to I do. Take I do it. that always in my listening classes. Yeah, it's a great system. And yep. they, they resist it very much in the beginning. Sure. But after a while, they realize that it's really easy to find information. Just a little aside, there's a... Um... There are a couple of pretty decent YouTube videos that explain that the Cornell mm. note-taking system. Yeah, there's a couple of good ones. There's a bunch of really bad, bad ones. ones. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching one and I said, "Oh my god!" I was like, I was falling asleep listening to the person, mm. and I was like, "Please, a little more energy." And also, could you use a better microphone? You know, it was in a room, a classroom, and it was really echoey, and it was irritating. But what I did was I included three um, short paragraphs about plagiarism. You know, th uh -huh. each paragraph has about three or four sentences, and it's all very carefully controlled vocabulary-wise. Sure. But I realized that I have to have a whole thing about plagiarism, that any copying is not going to be accepted, is not acceptable, because I ran into a big problem last year with plagiarism. Mm. And I think we talked about that in depth yeah. Yeah. a lot. So having the students read the syllabus because i want to make sure they understand right i'll ask them in the next class you know how much of your grade is based on participation how much of your grade is based on the midterm presentations or the in-class presentations i really want to make sure they know those things but also i want to identify the students who are either a didn't understand the directions right because they didn't do the activity or b just think that they don't have to do any studying and homework and I need to make sure they understand that after the second week they're already failing the class mm. because there are those students who do need that little bit of a wake-up call because right. again for if anybody's listening outside of Japan there still is this idea that university is basically four years of club med mm. they've done all their hard work right junior high school and high school and now is the time for them to relax so I also go through that, by the way. Do you do that where you explain to them that um, the you, English teachers, the native speaking English teachers just don't accept that college is a relaxed period of time for them to goof off, but it's actually a period of time for them to learn? It come, I, don't, I don't do that with all of my classes, but so many of my classes in the, in the, in, in the, in the course of the semester um, the talk of, topic of education comes up, and and I will do a, a a bit on the 
on contrasting the, the, the different educational systems. Uh, high school and university, well, I, I can only talk about the United States because that's the only one I really know intimately, um, contrasted with that in Japan and how you can't compare a Japanese university to an American university without looking at the differences in the you know American high schools and the Japanese high schools and the American society and Japanese society. They're, they're all part of an integral system. But and then I, the bottom line is like, well, nevertheless, <laughs> in this class, right. this, this is not the vacation class. This is this is and then, and I explain and this is why I expect you to do A B C D and E. And mm-hmm. This is why in class I do these things and this is why you have to do this. So uh, it, it comes up a lot with this with the classes that are able to process that. Mm-hmm. So they they get it one way or the other. Yeah, I explain even to the very very. You know, students who have, let's say, very limited vocabulary, limited English ability, very, very simple English, where I basically say, my job is to, you know, use the Japanese word level up, right? To level up your English, to improve your English ability. That's my job. That's what I'm paid to do. And I will do that. And your job is to learn. So that's always an interesting thing. But having the students do... kind of the read the syllabus outside of class rather than going through the whole syllabus in class oh, and explaining God, yes. things. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, <laughs> oh, because God, they're yes. not even listening and you right. don't even know how, right. and then you find out that 70% of the students have absolutely no idea what you're talking about because they're not even correct. And it's not even necessarily an understanding thing. I think the fact is that they don't understand that the syllabus is covered on the first day. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're tuned out. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's a different dynamic, yeah. Right, and how much of an attention span do they have? How much stamina do they have, right, for listening right. to English? That's something that takes that. a whole semester to develop. I can see that students, ah, by the end of 15 weeks, they're actually able to work together in English for an hour or 90 minutes without being exhausted. So that's a lot of different things. So, yeah, put, having the syllabus and having them read that and then having a quiz on that is kind of a good way to go especially because i'm really concerned about the plagiarism issue they really don't understand that and i yeah. wanted to be really crystal clear with them especially yeah, in, I, I do that in any class that's going to have written production right. but that's not in all of my classes but in the, yeah i do the same thing if there's presentations because again this that's what students will do you know they will just copy charts and graphs and things or they will copy an article and i saw students using that as you know, their presentation. And I said, you're not supposed to do this. And they said, but, you know, one student who had pretty good English said, you never explained that. I said, yes, I did. They said, but, <laughs> then they said, but it's not written. This one kid was obviously really gaming the system. <laughs> he's, gonna, he's majoring in law, I assume. I think something like that, because then, you know, said, Sounds you know. Like a lawyer. He said, where is it written? So obviously, I think, he knew, somehow was like a third-year student, knew the rules, yeah. and was trying to find yeah. out. So I said, okay, you know, well, that's fair enough. Good point. You're right. It's not written down. I said it, and there's no way for me to prove that I said it. Right. So I said, okay, let's be really clear. And I said, from now on, you understand you can't do that. And it was okay. But I thought, this year, very simple. Um, the syllabus will include that. And by the way, what I did was I used, it's got to be the worst design site or visually the visual site that lex tutor the complete lex tutor site yeah right you know it's i wish um it's like 1998 tom cobb yeah i wish he would redesign the site because there's so much good stuff there but you can go there you can paste in your text and you can get your vocabulary and find out which words are you know infrequent and students don't know and you know really simplifying and simplifying and simplifying and i'm checking it so i know that my syllabus is really written clearly with you know controlled vocabulary simple sentences and a lot of repetition so we'll see how that goes so anything else you're doing differently yeah a couple of things um uh, you know that last last well you know and probably people probably don't remember but last fall i started uh, web pages slash blogs for most of my classes. Now, this is not for students to contribute or to add to it, but this is pretty much just an information conduit. And this is where 
I put information for them for each class individually. Um, mostly, S some are shared, right? So, I, like on Tuesdays, I have the same uh, preparation, the same course, like before classes. So their information is all the same. But it's um, it's it's one it's a one way flow of information. It's like me putting up um, you know files that I want them to use uh, for homework for different kind of assignments. Um, might have like for example study guides for upcoming exam announcements etc 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 this is the first year that I'm doing it from the spring I'm not doing it for all the classes uh, for some of the classes uh, based on the, the university that is involved or the specific type of class that it is I'm not doing it for those for some of the classes but the ones that I am using it for I'm going to use that a lot more um, and really kind of Especially one of the universities where I have four classes, they're all the same. Each class is like 30 or 35 students. I will use that conduit quite heavily. Uh, the hope is that uh, with a little bit more of that information and prep outside of class, also having it in writing, as you said, because they might not be able to understand what it is that they're supposed to do in class. Um, hopefully that, that extra information, that having that in writing, uh, will result in improvements in their performance in class that they'll be able to do things a little e more easily um, maybe learn a little bit more do things at a little higher level but I'm using that a lot more this spring than last spring but I you wasn't using it all last spring but you had your own website that you I have my own website which is there in in general but this is like these are like tuned to the specific class, so it's very, very specific, and it's week by week. The general website doesn't get updated that often, and I've got like some general things there. For example, when I do the writing, I've got like a basic writing module, which is like a, a chapter of a textbook, basically. And then I've got an adv uh, advanced or academic writing thing, which is talks about citation, and there's examples and exercise and things, that, which I use over and over and over year by year. This is much more timely this is this is what we're doing this is what we did in class this is what you have to do for next week huh, okay because i've done that f for the last year and a half two years now yeah um, yeah where the, yeah, it I, is I just started that it is week yeah. by week yeah i think i mentioned that i spent a lot of time over the break simplifying my website yeah um, yeah i remember yeah. you know and um i started interestingly enough I tell my students in presentation classes that if I ever see a bullet point, <laughs> I'm going to just give you a zero for your slide design because I don't <laughs> want that. But I started using bullet points to simplify things, you know, figuring mm -hmm. out, setting up the visuals as and creating a lot of white space and use, um, for example, dividing every class goes into classwork. There's a the week one, week two, et cetera, and then there's classwork. And then there's a homework section, and then there's the upload section. And I have little icons for upload, download, and things that are important. You know, I figured out a way to uh, create a spinning icon on my web page. But I've done that, and it's good because I can. You, I tell the students, you know, if you're absent, you don't have to panic. You know exactly what to do, which is kind of like a funny thing that I say. You don't have to panic because what I'm basically saying is you don't have the right to come to class and say, I was absent. <laughs> I didn't do the homework. Right, right, right. Um, which comes up, by the way. But yeah, that I think sure. is a good thing. You're using WordPress.com for that, right? Right. Which is a free Correct. service, but there's advertising on it? Um I well, I, sorry, folks. I use ad blockers, so I never see any advertising on the page. But apparently, there is. But it's um, nothing that is a problem for students or anything. Not, I have I've gotten no complaints. Okay. Um, I don't know what it looks like from. I guess there's an ad that appears sometimes, but I think in in one view there is, and in one view there isn't. And the one that I give them, they might not ever see an ad. Okay. So. An alternative to that is edublogs.org, which also uh -huh. has free uh -huh. service. Um, and it's like WordPress.com. It has some limitations on it. But that's a good free service, and that's designed for teachers. Uh -huh. So they do everything, and everything's kind of controlled. It's really nice. And even their paid service, paid version, which gives you a lot more themes and a lot more control and access to a lot of other bells and whistles is like something like $38 a year. Mm. It's a very, very, it's a very, very, very good reasonable. deal. Yeah. So 
it's interesting though so you have the week by week and are you filling that in with each class before based on what's happened to the class before oh, that, or my, have you my, mapped my, it out the whole way? My, or are you no, doing no, both? I've not mapped out the whole semester. I, I, I do it like seat of the pants week by week, and I get to it over the weekend. So, yeah, my schedule is such that I, I have zero time, other unless it's like an emergency. Okay. I had to put some kind of information up, like a, I'll do it at a lunchtime or something. But, no, pretty much every day I'm in the classroom from, you know, first through fourth period, uh, come home, household duties, crash, get up very early in the morning, prepare for the next day, and prepare for that day and then soldier on and then come Saturday Sunday just kind of catch up and yeah go through okay Monday class the blogs Tuesday classes the blogs and Wednesday then whatever work that's got to get corrected and etc 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 that's the weekend so um and yeah the reason that I, I chose the WordPress rather than the edge of blogs is that it, it had a little more flexibility in terms of updating and so for example if, if need be I can I can email a, a post to a special address and it'll automatically post the the uh, the entry on their on their web page so well i think we're also scheduled at some point to talk about how to use websites yeah we're going to do right? that we're going to do that a little later but an interesting some feedback i've gotten from students in the past has been that they said you know i'd really like to have the next week class I would and love posted. to be able to do that. You know, I was able to do that for half my classes. Yeah, you, I remember we were talking about about a month ago and you were working on, on mapping all this stuff out, and it's, I really can't because this gets to – well, go ahead with that, and then I, we'll talk about it. Yeah, well, certain classes you can map out. So, for example, I'm responsible for teaching some presentation classes. So those I can map out very easily because even if the the level of the students changes, the basic activities remain the same. And so I was able to map out my presentation classes, but some of the other classes don't map out so well because you have to wait and see which students you get because I think we're going to get into this in just another minute or two about the strange yep. amounts of variation in streaming cl of classes, right? There you go. Yep. But certain classes I could map out and other classes I couldn't because I had no idea what kind of students I was going to be getting. So... But the students said that what they really wanted was they wanted to be able to see what was going to be happening the next week. And this was coming from at a, at a very good school. The students said, we want to be able to prepare for the next class. And I said, yeah, but your homework is preparing for the next class. They said, yeah, but we want to know what we'll be doing in the next class and what's going to be the homework for the following week. So I really can't complain about having students like that. Right? <laughs> How about it? Right? You know, it's just, you know, OK, thank you for, you know, giving me extra work. So that was one of the reasons why I've really spent time trying to stay like about once i i saw the class i would go two weeks ahead so i post the following week and then another week but informing the students hey things will change according to what we do because i'm reacting and responding to what happens in the class and by the way a lot of students have trouble understanding that they think you're unorganized they think you haven't planned out the class because you're saying this class is an evolving course and depending on what you do and how well you do and how much learning occurs and how you know much I can evaluate and assess that will determine where we go the following week. So anyway, but let's move to that problem of uh, streaming assessments and variation of student ability in the same class. Right. So, yeah, we, you, you talked about, about being able to plan and things. And yeah, and what, one of my universities, um, yeah, I teach this, have been teaching basically the same class for I guess yeah over 10 years now and so yeah that one and I, those students the students I get pretty consistent now now they, they've kind of um, <laughs> gotten um, the university is pretty much this is what this is what I get right and uh, really good university really good students um, and th those I can plan out pretty much I, I, I know what I'm gonna be doing the whole week right like if I give them a, their topic selection for the second semester so the topics may vary but from last year a little bit but there's not that much difference but um well i think it was a was it maybe december or january one of our um we were talking about uh, uh a new class that i was getting at one of the universities it's a, a reading and a writing class and um, looking at the um the specifics of the the students i was getting they were to be um 
you know, they streamed the, the students according to level, and I was going to be getting the lowest level class. Right, we remember and, this. And I was kind of in a panic because I really, because mm, my impressions have not been of the students there is, is not that they're not the, the, the actual, the, the cream of the crop. It's, I mean, it's a good university, public university. Um, but not the stars, right? These are, these are not alphas. And uh, thinking about the, the classes that I'd had there, which were supposed to be up to that point, like middle to higher, kind of like B and, and C type students, to, to think about their D students or their D minus students was uh, a little bit intimidating. And so this week, uh, the first week of classes, um, I, I walked in and did my usual, you know, step down kind of thing. And I do not, I don't give them a test, but I do an evaluation exercise in, in class. But as you talk to them, you know, as you talk to a class, you, as I said, you, you, you have my usual spiel, which I'll tune up or tune down, depending on what I think the students are capable of understanding. And you watch for the cues. You know, you, you, you make a joke. You see how many, you know, how many people laugh. Um, you intentionally say something confusing. You look for the facial expressions where they're, how many people are confused, how many people are actually listening. Um, and then, you know, administer the, the, the evaluation exercise. Which, you know, some, uh, there's a story and a couple of basic questions, and then they had to summarize the story. And, uh, you know, fairly, fairly simple, short essay on, on uh, students, teenagers needing more sleep. And I looked at this stuff, and I looked at them, and they're, they're handing this, and I'm going, what the hell? If you go back to December's, I was worried about having to teach these kids the alphabet. You know, she's extrapolating from what this school thought their middle students were, this giving me their lowest level students. This class... This lowest level class is better than many of the classes that were designated as mid-level classes. Hmm. So that it's luckily I did not aim too low. Luckily I did um, select a textbook that is not insultingly easy for them. But no, as a result of that that first day, I had to pretty much re-engineer the entire class. Uh, say, okay, I'm not going to be doing A, B, and C. I, I'm going to have to do D, and I, I, I do a completely different different approach to the class based on, on that first day. And had I had mapped out, you know, the 15 weeks based on the students that I thought I was going to get, I'd really be, uh, that'd be totally useless. So I had to you know, go from back to square one. Yeah, I know that feeling. But I have a, a similar problem, but the opposite side, I have an advanced class and there were oh. students in the advanced, and I was told. Was, That's harder. Yeah, and I'm told I have the advanced <laughs> class. It's a listening class, a listening and reading class. And um, they don't understand. I had, well, one of the things I did change, by the way, Tony, you went, you mentioned you tell a joke, right? Or you tell some jokes to see how right. students respond. Right. I've told the jokes without laughing myself. Because I realized that students were laughing when I would laugh. Uh huh. Uh huh. So sure, you got to, sure, sure. it's really an important yeah. thing. But it's also sometimes it's really hard for me not to laugh because some of the jokes are really funny. But I have the advanced class, and there were just some students who I could, you know, I was giving directions. For example, I asked them to, I use Socrative, which is um, an app that's useful for getting student information, quizzes, exit, um, doing the exit what are those called exit polls and just getting general answers from students. And I asked them to click on the link in the website. I showed them my website and then install download. And you can see that there are students who just are not able to follow the directions. Uh-huh. And that's a useful way to figure out who's able yeah, to yeah, understand. Yeah, you mentioned it before. And that's really, it sounds really effective. You mean as a means of figuring out who's following you? Exactly. Yeah, because they're very simple directions, right? Please go to the link and you show the link on the projector with the projector, right? Click mm -hmm. here, choose the blue one, 
and you see that some students don't know whether to choose yellow or blue. You say choose the blue one, not the orange one, for example, and they're still having trouble. So that helps me identify the students. And in this one class, in an advanced class, 25% of the students, I think, were not able to follow the directions. Yeah. Now, whether or not they're just panicking, because they're, but they're using their phones, so I figure they're pretty familiar with using their phones. Well, yeah, most are. Most right. Are. And the website is actually designed for being used with a smartphone. Uh-huh. It's optimized for smartphone usage. So I was really surprised to see 25% in an advanced class were just having a lot of difficulty following me. So I, I'm just wondering, you know, how do these assessment instruments or how they stream do not seem to be working. Fortunately, I know that I can go to, that students can be moved to a lower level or a more advanced level. The school mm. is flexible that way. But I only found that out because I asked once because I had a student who was really, really suffering. And, but nobody had ever told me that. So anyway um yeah i've had you know, this uh, similar kind of things with like with the with the streaming things talked about the, the same school right uh talked about um this i was expecting you know these kids are supposed to be the, the absolute lowest uh, students coming in um in the past at the same school several years ago one of these theoretically middle type classes went in taught it but i you know i thought it was the, the, the middle level um and had a kid come up to me after class and uh, poor guy. I mean, he was he was actually crying. And, uh, you know, his first his freshman, first week at school, um, is telling me, talking to me in Japanese. As I said, you know, I, I don't understand anything. I said, I don't know what to do. And I says, well, I will uh, I will, you know, talk to the school and see if I'm done. And I tried. I tried. I tried to get the, the student reassigned uh, to a, a different section. But the. School says no. Says well, if he if he performed at a certain level on the test, and there's evidence that he should be able to function at this level, so we think it's best if we don't switch his class. Uh, <laughs> I, I hate that. Yeah. Your 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 assessment instrument and your relationship to interpreting that data is more important than a teacher's assessment. And the kids, yeah, I have some kids and you could just see they're just tearful. Right. They're just yeah. feeling, I mean, I, I understand how they feel. You know, I've gone through some sure. meetings where I just like, my I'm, God, yeah, I understand my nothing yeah, here. It's, depth, yeah. And I think that's something, you know, to do. I, one day I would love to do that to people who just say, no, the streaming system is accurate and works. And I'd like to say, okay, you know what? You're going to come to my most advanced class and it's going to be all done in English. And you're going to see how it feels. I think it's that shows such an incredible lack of empathy, and it's so mm. arrogant. It's and you know then they want to turn to people and say, you know, could you please show me the reliability and validity of your you know assessment instrument? Can you show me this the data? And half the time, these assessments are not even designed by people who have any background in testing. Yeah. And half the yeah, time is a yeah. very modest claim. Yeah, I know. Failure, failure by design. Ah, deja vu again, yeah. as Yogi Berra once said. You would think. One would yeah. think. You know, yeah. One. What one would you think? <laughs> you think. You think. That's a great expression. So yeah. yeah so, so anyway, a, for so so the for other things that's going on, just like now for me, let's see. Um, I have a like a, a, a yeah. Well low, said. Low, really well, low level, well, low, said, level low level class that the school you know because of the. Um, uh, curriculum that they've got, they've got these kids are. It's not a plus alpha; it's a plus epsilon. Um, just way more examples. Just using way more examples to take them through step by step by step. Pronunciation. I'm. Uh, I haven't taught this class for about four or five years. Um, tech is very different, so I'm going to be using a little more tech with um, both uh, dictation and text to speech. Mm -hmm. um, to, so they can hear because actually now text-to-speech is accurate enough so they yeah they actually can model their pronunciation after after the computer that they've got right and um, you know with the dictation they can actually speak into their phones and see if their phones understand them in English so I'll be using that a little bit more um, and um, like for the future which app are you using for that by the way that dictation 
Um, I tell them to use anything. I mean, you pick, pick out your phone, talk into it. You know, so just regular for iOS, any text app, for Apple, any text, oh, app, any yeah. text app, you set it up for dictation. Yeah. And that works with their phones, right? Yeah. Okay. So pull out your phone and say, okay, here's here's a tongue twister. See if you can make it print out, to have the screen show what you're trying to say. You know? That's a very good activity, yeah. And yeah, and they get into it. And it's, and, and it's, it's humbling. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the, the most important thing I've learned is first thing right away is take out your phones uh-huh. on the first day and they all like start turning their phones off because <laughs> 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 they think and you're like yeah, yeah. no 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 i don't want you using line i don't want you texting to your friends but i want your phones on we're going to be using them it's a computer and they're shocked uh-huh. because most professors and teachers are completely against students using their phones it's like saying you can't bring it to computer class okay so you're working with pronunciation what other things um, that's it in terms of the, the specifics. I think the, in terms of the, what I'm trying to do differently this semester uh, in the future, is, and I was kind of reminded this uh, of this by the um, interview uh, that you did with Paul Nation about um, with a lot of the classes. That was our previous uh, episode, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Anyone comp- who missed it. 73, I think. Yeah, 73, interview with Paul Nation. Um, the necessity of stepping back and twofold benefit one let the students do what they're going to do but also for you for the teacher too right breathe a little bit give yourself some perspective um if they're engaged in an activity that's fine you're you don't need to get your fingers into everything right um and my and because of the teaching load um uh, partly but also applying the, the different idea more in class reading more in class writing mm-hmm. um a very very wary eye on grading and correction time. Um, be careful about what I assign the students, uh, and also use as you know, as much as possible uh, self grading, self correction, either their mm. own work or their you know, corrections that can be done in classroom um, to preserve sanity and uh, the the time that I need to do the other things over over the weekend. Right. Mm. So really t- trying to take a, a, a ground up look at that too things that I've been doing automatically like, well do I really need to do this is there a better way to do it there's a, a way that I can do this that uh, is a little bit less work intensive a little time intensive uh, something that would get maybe the students to do a little bit more of this or more of it in class rather than outside of class so hmm. those kind of things for the, the future but in terms of what I've done so far in the week I think that pretty much covers it for me Yeah, I agree with you. That was a big takeaway for me when talking with Paul about having the reading in class. As he mentioned, students enjoy it, but they wouldn't do it outside of class on their own. Right. Yeah, the the one big difference for me, Tony, is that I'm trying to use resources on the web that have variable variation in, in levels. I think I've mentioned I use a website, yes, breaking yes, news, yes, yes. breaking yes. news, breaking news, breaking English news, breaking news, English.com. But what's really good about it is they'll have the same article, but it'll be like in four, sometimes four or five different That's levels, great. right? From basic to advanced, yeah. right? But here's the great point. I think you notice this, right? Is on the listening where they, they're there. So you can read and you can listen. The listening has like four. From slowest to fastest. So they're slowest, slower, medium, faster, fastest. So that I can assign the same activity to students and they it's their responsibility to choose. Yes. Yeah, that... Because as we were... Actually, it wasn't on the show, but we were talking a little bit before how, how often in our classes we get people whose levels are so disparate. I mean, right. you have... There's such a big range of students' abilities in one class and to have that already pre-baked for you, all those different mm-hmm. levels. And, and again, let the student choose which one. And yeah, a lot of people say, well, you know, some teachers would say, so, well, well, of course they're going to choose the easy one. They go, no, they won't. They will, they'll do a really good job of picking the, the, the level that's right for them. Because mm. you, you, you got you to gotta give that credit to the kids. Cause it's, well, there are them. students who will take the easy way out. I'm still working on the grading trying to figure out how to grade and you know how do you create some kind of system for that but i agree with you let the students choose and trust them that you know trust them that they will try to learn if given the opportunity 
Yeah. Absolutely. Instead of coming in and saying, no, they're just trying to game the system. Well, then that's – don't run your class in a way that no, yeah, you're rewarding least, especially it. Especially at the beginning, yeah. you got to give them – start off with the benefit of the doubt. Otherwise, right, Otherwise, right. it just – Yeah, you'll be able to – right. It's just a downward spiral otherwise. Yeah, you'll be able to identify the students who are doing the minimum, and you'll be able to identify the students who really want to learn. And then you'll find out that there's a bunch of students in the middle who are just so grateful that they can fine-tune the activity. Yeah. Right. Okay. So maybe a good time to wrap this up? I think we're done. Okay. So I think everybody knows where we are, twoteacherstalking.com. So. Just figure it out on Gmail and everything else and iTunes. and Two teachers talking, two teachers talking, two, two teachers, teachers talking, talking, two teachers, teachers talking. talking. <laughs> Continually talking. So I'm Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. And we are Two Teachers Talking. <laughs> and back to work, Tony. See you. Yeah, damn right. Okay. Uh, be good well. Good luck, man. Bye. All right.